Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Well, I am excited to be here this weekend and to share with you a little bit about God's story and talking to you a little bit about the power of stories. And uh, I was so excited when uh, Pastor Rick called me a couple of months ago and and asked me to uh, consider coming out and talking about and, and doing some kind of a conference. Um, and we were, you know, he prayed about it, I prayed about it, and it's so amazing how the Lord works. Let me see if I can find this week's message. Um, it's amazing how the Lord works because when he called, he said, this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing just the idea of a power of a story or just stories, the stories, people's stories, and the power that are in them. And, and I literally was like, oh my gosh, you're freaking, freaking me out right now. And I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, I'm literally writing a message this weekend for a breakfast about the power of your story. And it was a, a brief 20 to 30 minute message. And as I was writing it, I was like, Lord, there's so much that you're revealing to me. How am I going to cram this into 20 to 30 minutes? And so I was excited about the opportunity to be able to take what I felt like the Lord was sharing about the power of a story and be able to expand it into this weekend's conference. So I'm very excited, but I, I want to share with you, I feel, it's, I feel like it's very appropriate for me to start by sharing with you a little bit about my story. And so I want, I'm reminded of how the scripture says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and a word of our testimony. You know, it's a really famous verse that we speak all the time. Um, we also know that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And, and those passages are talking to us about the power of the testimony, the power of speaking your story. And, and there are so many times when people say, I want you to come and I want you to share your testimony and talk to us about how you got to where you're at. And, and I, have, I have a hard time with that because my story is not about me. My story is about God and what he's done in my life and where he's taking me. And I'm still at the very beginning of my story. And so as I begin thinking about these, uh, these times when I'm, share, when I'm told to go share my story, I I'm, I'm reminded of the power of a story. You know, the Bible calls stories testimonies, right? I just shared with you uh, the testimony of Jesus is, is the spirit of prophecy. And that word testimony means to do it again. And so when we're speaking about our stories and we're giving a testimony, what we're doing is we're, we're giving, uh, giving the opportunity. That's why it says it's the spirit of prophecy. We're speaking a do it again, God. Do it in somebody else's life. Be who you've been to me to somebody else. We're stirring up kingdom possibilities in the lives of other people as we share our stories. That's why we love stories. That's why we love testimony. Because it begins to stir something up inside of us that says, what if? Maybe I could. Well, if she can, maybe I can. If he can, maybe I can. And that's the power of a story. See, the story's not really about the events of my life. It's about the presentation of kingdom possibilities, of, of things that we've always thought could be possible, becoming a reality in somebody's life and stirring up the purpose within us. The word testimony actually means a formal, written, or a spoken statement. It's evidence or proof provided by the existence or the appearance of something. 
or it is a public recounting of a religious conversation or an experience. And I love the idea of evidence or proof because there are things in their concept, there's information that we have about kingdom possibilities, but when somebody begins to share their story with you, suddenly this information becomes a reality. It's proof or it's evidence that what God says he can do, he's done it in the life of somebody else. And that's the power of a story. It's saying there's more, this is more than just a concept that I've been believing in, but I can see evidence of it in her life, in his life, in her life, in his life. And, and that's what gives us hope, is seeing the stories and the testimonies of other people, and that's the purpose of a story. Just like a testimony, our stories are a public recounting of the things that have happened in our lives. And the beautiful thing about our stories is that they're ours, and nobody can argue it with us. I can't help but remember the story of the, man, the blind man in John chapter 9. And it says that he shows up blind and Jesus spits in the mud and he puts mud on his eyes and he tells him to go wash in the, pile, in the pool of Siloam. And he goes and he washes and immediately sight comes to his life. Now this man had never seen Jesus. He had no idea who it was. All he knew was a voice that came to him, put mud on his eyes and said, go and wash. And he did. And suddenly sight came to him. He didn't have answers. And he began to be questioned. People were questioning his story, saying, who was the man? What did he say? And all he kept saying was, I don't know. All I know is I once was blind, and now I see. And nobody can argue with my story. Because what we think could be possible, what we think we might know, has become evidenced in my life, in the fact that I once was in darkness, but now I'm in light. See, that's the power of a story, is it can't be argued. You can say that God hasn't been, or you can, that you question God, but you can't argue what he's done in my life because my life is evidence of God. It's proof that he is a healer. It's proof that he is a way maker. It's proof that he is a miracle worker. My life. And you can say you don't believe it, but you can't argue the evidence that you see in the lives of other people. And that's the power of a story. As a counselor, I listen to people's stories all day long. All day long, I listen to their life, their past, their relationships, their careers, their hopes, their dreams. All day long, that's what I hear is the stories of people. And the reality is life is full of stories, is it not? Life is just one big story. And we love stories. We love to hear stories. We love to watch stories. We love to read stories. We make up stories in our head. We create stories. We jump into other people's stories. We love drama. Come on. We love it. And we love exciting stories. You know, nobody wants to go see a boring movie. We want to see an exciting, adventurous story where they defy the impossible. See, we're drawn to those things because there's a super in our natural. And there is something within us that longs for that adventure, that longs for that story that defies the impossible. We love these stories. Often our stories offer us an escape from the reality. They offer us the opportunity to step outside of the box of our schedule, to step into something else. This is why we as women, we love romance stories. We love to, to imagine what we feel like might be impossible, that we would be loved by some incredible man someday. Even as 12, 13, 14-year-old young girls, they begin to imagine these stories in their minds. I think it's one of the reasons why men like to play video games. 
because they like to imagine themselves being the hero in some kind of a battle, right? It's a story that we, are, we escape from the here and now. We get a, ch- a chance to escape from the natural and step into another place and step into a story and become a character in the midst of that story. This is why we love stories. Even Forbes magazine recently wrote an article on how the best way to present your business is by telling a customer's experience. By giving people a story, the testimony of customers speak the loudest. We call it buzz marketing. It's the, it's the best form of marketing is when you, people start sharing, this is, was my experience at this restaurant. This has been my experience with this product. We watch videos of women playing, putting all these moisturizers on their face, all these things. And you can't argue the evidence that has taken place in their life in those products. See, even business has captured the power of a story and is using it to promote their product. Come on now. As we as a kingdom people, the enemy wants to keep our mouths shut, not sharing our story, not giving, a, giving people evidence of the product we're trying to promote in the name of Jesus Christ. But people can't argue the evidence that they see in our life. See, stories is what connects us to another person. It's that place of, uh, a place of vulnerability opens up the door for trust. I tell people all the time, if you, if you allow people to talk the opportunity to share stories it will open up conversation the minute you begin to give them advice it shuts down conversation have you ever noticed that that's your counseling tip but we know of many places where jesus cultivates interaction with his audiences by giving advice and counsel in the form of a story right he doesn't just go right for the gusto he gives a story to get that person to begin to think and, and self-discover what is it that god is trying to say to me how is he trying to cultivate interaction in this conversation this communication with us one of my favorite stories is when nathan actually rebukes david in the form of a story he brings a story to him opening up vulnerability and the opportunity for david to interact and connect with what's going on in his heart See, if Nathan would have showed up and just given him advice, David likely would have just shut down. But he opens it up. I'm trying to tell you here with the power of story form communication. What it does, it opens up the opportunity for people to connect on deeper levels. So I share all this with you because I want you to know why I think it's important that I share my story with you. It's not because I want you to hear about me. It's because I want kingdom possibilities to be presented tonight. I want you to to hear my story and go, oh, she's an ordinary, unschooled woman. And this is what God did through her life. And so when I tell my testimony, remember that it's not about me. It's about God and what God has done in and through my life. And so I'm just going to shift here and just share with you a little bit about my story and coming in to ministry. Now, this is interesting. You know, when people tell you, we want you to give your testimony, I'm like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm 45 years old, you're welcome, and I've lived in a lot of life. I have a lot of life left to live, and I'm like, there's lots of facets to my story. There's lots of testimonies. There's lots of testimonies, and so, uh, you know, I'm like, where do you start? Do I start with my salvation? Do I start with all that I've learned through parenting? I have six children. You're welcome again. Yes, they did all come from my body, and my husband and I do know what causes that. Uh, do, I tell, do I tell the story of my deliverance from depression? Do, do I tell my story of my discipleship experience? 
Do I tell my story of, of my marriage and all the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs? 28 years of marriage. Do I tell the story of all the health challenges that I've gone through and being able to overcome weaknesses and afflictions and be able to stand here strong in front of you? There's so many ways you could go in telling your story, but I believe most people are most interested in the, in the development of the ministry. And so I'm going to tell you that a little bit about that story and how the ministry got started and the many testimonies of God within it. Listen, the list could go on and on, but most of this is captured, a lot, most, of, most of my story is captured in a lot of my books, and that's not to, to, share, to sell the books, it's to, to sell the message to you. And knowing that I am an ordinary, unschooled woman and all the things I've gone through is a testimony of what God has done. It's a testimony, and it's to stir up your imagination and say, if God can do it in her, it can do it in me. See, there's people who have asked me, are you going to go back to school? Or are you going to finish your degree? And I'm like, that would ruin my testimony. <laughs> because it is, it is interesting to me how God taught me and trained me in my own home, doing what I was called to do at the time, which was raising six children. I tell people all the time I spent half my life feeding and cleaning sheep. That's what I was doing. I was like David out in the field being faithful where God had called me. Not realizing that God was saying, when you're faithful in the small things, I'll give you charge over ten cities. That when you're faithful in this, then I will bring you to another place. See, we diminish the, the, the power of Blooming wherever you're planted. Because the enemy wants us to think that there is not purpose in every moment, in every day that we are living, in everything that we are doing. No matter how mundane, no matter how ordinary it may seem, God is doing something extraordinary in your everyday moments. And when we learn to capitalize on every moment, when we learn to be a good steward of every minute, that's when God will take us into the next place. That's what he's saying when he says, when you're faithful in the small things, I'll give you charge over ten cities. See, there's many of you in this place tonight that are thinking, oh, you don't know my life. It's just boring. It's just purposeless. It's just ordinary. And I, I stand here before you and say that is inaccurate. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell because you, if you are in Christ, you have an incredible purpose in every moment of your day. And until we learn how to capitalize in the ordinary in what the world would call ordinary, see, because God's always doing extraordinary things through ordinary things, right? He takes water and he turns it into wine. Nobody knows when it happened, nobody knows how it happened, but we saw evidence of it at some point being poured out. And, and there are days when we don't know, we don't see, we don't taste, we can't, we can't experience extraordinary things, but somewhere inside of you, if you're being diligent and following and faithful, to the Spirit's leading, God is taking ordinary things. He's taking the water in your life, and he's shifting it into richer things like wine. And that's what God is continuously doing. It seems like nothing, but when we have an eye that is set upon things above and not on earthly things, we will not only see it, we will expect it. We will expect it in our ordinary living. And so I'm going to share with you, I'm going to, start with, I'm going to start with my call to ministry. In 2010, while I was traveling and speaking, see, a lot of people don't realize that the ministry actually started, so I would write these conferences, and I loved it. This is fun for me. It's easy. Okay, and I stand here and I love it, but God began to challenge me. 
and saying, what are you going to do on Monday? How does all that that you're speaking on a weekend resonate on Monday? What are you going to do to take people beyond just emotional inspiration or inspiring them and really come alongside them and teach them and train them and disciple them how to come into the fullness of their purpose. See, I can sit here and I can speak to you all day long about your purpose and how you have a purpose and God wants you to come into your purpose. But at some point, somebody needs to come alongside you and teach you how to activate that purpose in your life. And so God began to ask me, are you available on Monday? Are you available on Tuesday? Are you available on Wednesday? Listen, y'all, when God asks if you're available, be intentional in how you answer. Okay? Because when he says, are you available, and you start nodding your head yes, there's a reason why he's asking it. It's probably because you weren't making yourself available. You follow? See, when God asks you a question, it's probably because you don't know the answer. So think about it before you flippantly answer and so I began to really just ponder this question, God, what would it look like for me to be um, available? To be available on Monday, to be available on Tuesday, to be available on Wednesday, to be available on Thursday. And he began to speak to me about the man, the Good Samaritan, and how he was bruised and he was beaten and he was stripped and he was left alongside side the road for dead. And I be, he began to give me eyes to see people that I was ministering to as being beaten and stripped and left alongside the road, alongside of life for dead by the enemy. And God said, look carefully at what separated the Pharisee and the priest from the Good Samaritan. It was the Good Samaritan that said, I will sacrifice my day. I will sacrifice my ride. I will sacrifice my money. I will sacrifice my time. I will sacrifice my safety. I will cross the road. I will get my hands dirty. I will stop what I am doing, and I will come back until this man is completely made whole. See, I won't just give up my moments. I will give up, and I will be available to him until he's walking in the wholeness of who he's called to be. And God began to challenge me in that and say, what would that look like? And so the first part of my story is being, uh, being willing to say, ooh, maybe there's something more that God has for me to do. Maybe I need to be shaken out of this easy contentment of just traveling on the weekends and speaking and ministering to people and be willing to be uncomfortable to do something more on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You follow? Because before we want to plan, before we get all the way into the depths of God's story for you, you have to be willing to say, ooh, maybe, there's, maybe I'm not living it fully right now. Because what I know is this blind man in John chapter 9, it says that because Jesus came back to the Pharisees and said to them, because you claim you can see, you shall remain blind. And we learn from that in saying, until we say, maybe there's something more. Maybe I don't know what I don't know. Maybe I don't have it figured out. Maybe God has a broader ministry for me yet. Until we are willing to say that, we'll remain blind to the full purpose of God. See, we have to be willing, every single person here has to be willing, no matter where you're at in life, you have to be willing to say, ooh, God, and I, I guarantee you God has something more for you. I guarantee you, you have not arrived. 
And I'm not saying that you haven't done great imaginable things. I'm not saying that your life isn't full of purpose, but I'm saying I know that God always has something more for each one of us because we serve a God of increase. We serve a king. We are a part of a kingdom that is continuously on the increase. And if you aren't expecting your purpose, if you aren't expecting your story, if you are not expecting your dreams to continuously increase, you have put God in a box. That is what I am telling you. And I had to be willing to step back and say, ooh, maybe God has something more for me. Maybe my ministry isn't just a Friday, Saturday night ministry. Maybe it's, maybe it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, ministry. Because that's what it, what it means to be a person of God. It means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always have my eyes wide open and I'm going to be willing to go where God tells me to go. And I don't want to be stuck in my story. I want to plunge into God's story. See, our story will keep us from God's story. The world's story is going to keep us from God's story. The story of my past will keep me from God's story. The story that other people talk and create about me will keep me from God's story. But at some point, we have to say, there is no story like God's story. And I'm going to play a part in his story. And we have got to be willing to say that. I was an ordinary, unschooled woman. I was a stay-at-home mom with a homeschooled six kids. I was like David in the field, being faithful where God had put me, studying the scriptures, spending time with God, God, cultivating my intimacy with him, teaching my kids the scripture, teaching them how to get along with each other, teaching them how to resolve conflict, teaching them how to put the interests of the others before themselves, teaching them biblical principles. But what I didn't realize is that God was equipping me. He was preparing me for a greater ministry. And that's all a part of my story. When people are like, what school did you go to? Where did you get trained? Where's your degree? I don't have a degree. I went to the school of the Holy Spirit in the form of obedience. That's where I got educated. See, because when we walk in obedience, God will, will navigate you right into the core of your story. I tell people all the time that God has a glory lane in mind for you. And at the end of the lane, there's all the pins like a bowling alley, like a bowling lane. And if you want to be sure that you are going to hit a pin every time, put up the bumpers and the gutters, right? Well, the bumpers and the gutters is your obedience. Because when you're walking in obedience, it's the righteousness that guards you on the right and on the left and causes you to have a hit a strike every time. And that's what God was teaching me, is how to walk day by day in what seemed to be the ordinary, no, and not, not realizing that he was equipping me, being faithful out in the field, cleaning and feeding sheep. That's what I was doing. All the while, listen, what ushered David into the presence of a king? His ability to worship, his ability to stir up intimacy, his ability to loose the presence of the Lord. It was his playing. When did he, where did he learn that? He learned that in the field. As he would sit there, and, and, and the scripture doesn't say, but I can imagine that he sat there out in the field, bored every day. He would practice shooting Shooting birds, shooting lions, shooting with a, with a sling and the stone. See, where was he trained to slay Goliath? In the field being faithful where God had had him. 
And so we have to realize that there's power in being faithful where God has us. See, a lot of us have this big story, and we think we, we want to jump into that story too soon. We want to we get ahead of God, not realizing that when I'm faithful in my today, that God is navigating me into the fullness of the story that he's had in mind for me all along. It's really quite simple. It really is. We really complicate it. We really do complicate it. But in the midst of my story and my call to ministry, there were a lot of obstacles that I've had to overcome, and I'm still overcoming. Can I just be honest with you tonight? And so, but I had to overcome fears, not knowing where God was leading, the how. All right? We know that Mary, when, when, Jesus, when the angel came to her, she said, he, she said, I'm about to pull you out of your story, and I'm going to put you into God's story. Is that not what the angel said to Mary? I'm, I'm about to pull you out of your story, and I'm about to, to drop you into the midst of my story. And he began to re re reveal to her what was going to happen into her life, speaking a new storyline, and you're going to play a part, and you're going to be one of the main characters, and the, and the, and the kingdom is going to be born out of your womb. And what was the first question that Mary said? How? How can this be? Well, I'm still a virgin. How can you've got the wrong person? Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe you didn't know. But, but the angel of the Lord said that the, that the presence of the Holy Spirit would come upon you, would overtake you and consume you, and that you would become impregnated with the work of God. And I had to overcome the how. Because I like to have things figured out. I want to know how things are going to happen. I have a pretty strategic mind. And I had to learn how to overcome the how. The fear of not knowing how is God going to get me, but just saying this is what God said, and so I'm going to be faithful and obedient in my today, and I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about the how. How am I going to get there? Because that's God's to do. God, if you said it, you do it. God, if you said you'd work this out, work it out. And I'm going to do everything I can to the best of my knowledge to be obedient to you, but God, this is all you. It's not me. I cannot do it. I will not do it. I don't want to do it, Father. I step back and I let you be God in my life. See, it's not for us to figure out how we're going to make these things happen. It's for us to step back and let them happen by the work of, the work of God. Allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon you and impregnate you with the work of God. Just laying before the Lord and allowing him to have his way in your life. That's what it's all about. I had to overcome the question of, am I adequate? Am I good enough, God? God, you've spoken this big ministry to me, but I'm not equipped. I don't know what I'm doing. And God said, I'm not looking for the adequate. I'm looking for the available. That's it. The Lord began to speak to me about Noah when he was asked to build the ark. And I'm like, I don't know if Noah was a construction builder. We don't know. But God said, you're going to build an ark, and here's the blueprints. And as he began to build with what was probably the worst tools ever of the time, I mean, he didn't have saws, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know how he did this. He didn't have a hammer. And so he builds this enormous ark. And I have to assume that as a human that there were incredible flaws in that ark on a human level. But it wasn't his incredible craftsmanship, his, his adequacy, that he was well-equipped that caused that ark to float. It was simply the hand of God that kept that ark floating. And he blessed the obedience of Noah by saying, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to keep this ark floating because you've done everything I've asked you to do. And I clung to that truth. I clung to that truth. I still cling to that truth. 
That when God asks me to do something and you immediately have to try to figure out, am I the right person? Am I adequate? Am I equipped? Do I have the right education? Do I have all the answers? Can I show my five-year plan? Can I show it all out in the budget? No, I cannot. But God hasn't asked me if I'm adequate. He's asked if I'm available. And the first step to stepping into your story is simply being available to the hand of God. One of the questions I had to overcome was, how is this going to affect my family and my children? My kids, my husband, who are so used to me being home all the time. And I would be lying to tell you if I told you there weren't, weren't obstacles that had to overcome, adjustments that had to be made. But I had to surrender my design and my call to the Lord and trust him with my family. Trust him to work that out. And so I had to be willing to let go of what my current life looked like in order to begin to be navigated into where God was taking me. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't let go of what you think your life is going to look like, you will never come into what God is trying to show you. See, a lot of us say, well, we've already got it figured out, and this is what it looks like. And if I step over there, what will happen to Susie, and what will happen to Johnny? And you don't know, Mrs. Smith, she really needs me. And we worry and we allow people and we allow our current circumstances and what's going to happen in those places keep us from stepping into where God is taking us. I used to work uh, uh, years and years and years ago when I lived in Illinois. I started a mom's group there, and I felt for, uh, for about five or six years I had started this group, and there was a group of women, and, and we got together every Friday. And for almost an entire year, I felt the Lord pulling me out of that place. And I fought it because I kept saying to God, but if I leave, the whole group will fall apart. Who will step into my place? Nobody will step into my place. Who will run it? And God just kept saying, do what I tell you to do and stop asking questions. Just do what I tell you to do and stop asking questions. And the day I finally was obedient, there was one young girl that said, you know, the Lord's been telling me for a year I'm supposed to step up. And I thought, well, she's not stepping back, so I must. And, and that was me not trusting God. And saying, if God is calling me out of a place, I have to be willing to let it go. And if it falls apart, that's not my issue. That's the Lord's to fix. Right? And so we have to get let go of trying to have everything all figured out in order to step into the next place. And so all, through all of this, Crazy 8 Ministries was birthed in 2011. And it started out as counseling and discipleship. In 2012, we started the housing program. And then we came into 2015, another level of learning how to trust the Lord. When we were told we need to find new space, we had a house full of people. The, the ministry was being incredibly, was incredibly successful. And, and, and because of just situations, we needed to find new space. And we were given a timeline in which we had to find new space. Not just to pick up a business and move into a new place, but to pick up homeless people and their children. And find a new home for them as well. And so I began to feel this burden of carrying this weight of not just the staff and the services, but these homeless women that were relying upon us and their children that were living in this place, having a timeline to be able to find, find new space for us. And so, you know, can I be honest with you and tell you, at first, I started out and I was like, oh, God's going to do something amazing, and we're going to put this campaign on Facebook so that all the world can see how God comes through. And so I began, and then a month goes by, and two months goes by, and we're still looking for land, and we're still trying to raise money, and three months goes by, and, and my faith began to shrink. And I was like holding God and saying, God, 
man, I put this out on Facebook, and, and you need to be true to who you say you are. And I began to waver, and that's just a reality. It's a reality, a part of my story of learning how do you overcome doubt when everything seems and feels hopeless. And you know what the Lord taught me that day? He said, here's the deal. Here's the problem is you're putting your hope in finding land instead of putting your hope in me. Because whether or not you do or don't find land, either you have a hope in this mission or you don't. Because I'm a God that can do a mission without land. And so I had this vision of this land and God saying it's going to, and, and, and that it had to look this way. And my hope began to waver with my circumstances because my hope began to be set on raising money or somebody finding land. And if we do find land or we don't find land and God said, well, I'm not a wavering God. I'm not shifting like the shadows. I'm a God who is strong. I am firm. I'm the rock upon which you stand. I'm the foundation that doesn't cause any wavering under your feet. Put your hope in me. And I had to learn through that how to overcome by saying my doubt and my insecurities and my wavering faith came because I put my hope in circumstances. I put my hope in the ministry instead of saying, God, you started this, you finish it. I'm going to cease from striving. I'm going to cease from striving. And he began to teach me what it looks like to surrender the ministry, realizing that the ministry wasn't about brick and mortar, but it was about a people group. It's not about brick and mortar. It's about the community and the people group that God has brought together and we're on mission together. And if all the land were taken away, I guarantee you we'll still keep moving. I guarantee it. Because it's a part of who we are now. It's what we do. It's our purpose. It's our call. It's what God has put within us. And I don't need land to do that. And so if it was all taken away because my hope isn't in the land. My hope is in God and the call and the design he's put in my heart and that no man can thwart the will of God. It's a part of who I am, and it's what he's put into me. And so in 2000, July of 2015, we made a move, and we, got, we experienced the miracle of new land. All the pieces that were put in place was better than we expected. It was better than what we were trying to force to happen. Can I tell you that? See, we had found an Ishmael, and we were trying to birth it. It was a really painful birth. And God was like, mm, bless her, Lord, bless her, Lord. Let you, there's, a, there's an Isaac over here. She just doesn't realize it yet. And God cut that Ishmael off. And it was a painful moment. It was a devastating moment for us. But it was because he had the real Isaac waiting for us. And that had, this is all a part of my testimony. I'm just telling you my story because I, I feel that in every part, every nugget of your testimony, every, every part of your story, there's a stirring inside of each person in here. We were talking last week. I, I spoke at a conference last week. And somebody was like, it's so interesting how you speak, like you'll be having this point, and then you go over here, and you tell like this little mini message, and then you come back in here, and then you go over here, and you tell this little mini message. And I was like, I know, sometimes I feel like I have ADD, like when I'm, you know, ministering. But what I have found is that when I go and talk to people afterwards, they're like, when you said this, you know what, when you said this, or when you said this, and what I've learned is that I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to navigate what he wants said and what he doesn't want said. Because little nuggets and little testimonies of parts of my story is when God speaks to one person and says, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. I saw you. And becomes intimate and becomes personal to each person. And so every part of our story is so important. And so we experienced in 2015 the move, the miracle of this new land. In 2016... 
We opened Jubilee, which was our first home on our new land. In 2017, we bought more land. In 2018, we acquired two campuses in Cleburne. I've tried to stop it, y'all, because in my humanness and in my physical flesh and in my soul, I'm tired and I'm weary. But God, do I need to say anything more? Can I just say, but God? Can I just say, but God? Can I just say, but God? Because God always has something greater. He has something immeasurably greater in mind for us. And just when we get to the end of our soul is when we begin to step into the super. You know, you got to get to the end of yourself before you step into God. And so just when you think you're weary, just when you think you're faint-hearted, just when you feel discouraged, that if you keep pressing in and you shift, God will shift you into the spirit and you will begin to experience a super on your natural. But you got to come to the end of your natural before you step into the super. And God has a supernatural story in mind for each one of us in this room. And some of you have lived a very good, a very natural life. And I'm not telling or proposing that you go back and you relive your life. I'm already saying that whether you know it or not, there's been a super in that natural. And God is taking everything that you feel like has been ordinary in your life, and he's been doing extraordinary things. And until you, A, accept that truth, B, watch for it, you will not see it. Because there is no such thing as an ordinary life when you're in the kingdom. Because we are all spirit beings simply living a human experience. But when we begin to understand that there is a new perspective that I have, and it's not from this realm, it's not even from the second heavens, but it's from the third heavens, and I see things from the, from the position of the right hand of the Father, and I look down, I begin to see supernatural workings in my own life. I begin to see supernatural possibilities in my own life. I begin to see supernatural things happening through my circumstances. I begin to see supernatural feelings and emotions that supersede my natural fear. And the stirrings that come from visualizing or seeing things from heaven's perspective begins to bubble up inside of you like a fire shut up in your bones. And you can't not come into the perfect will of God, his story for your life. His story for your life. And that is the power of a story. See, and here's the thing. In every story, the author has something he wants to say. Right? There's something he wants to say. If I look at a picture, if I look at a canvas that's been painted, the artist has something he wants to say. Something that reflects what's near and dear to his heart. And I want to propose to you this weekend that God has something he wants to say through your life. See, we are simply the intersection between the spirit and the natural, between heaven and earth. And God wants to speak kingdom things here on earth, and he wants to do it through your life. But we've got to give the world something super to see. We've got to step out of the natural and step into the super so that God can begin to work in ways that people will step back and say, ooh, what's going on in this life? What's going on in this person's life? In a way that it can't be argued. See, we don't have to argue theology. We don't have to argue doctrine. We don't have to argue information. But if we allow our lives to begin to speak in ways that other words cannot speak, people cannot argue that. They cannot argue that. 
See, I get the opportunity all the time to speak in government arenas, to speak in educational arenas, to speak in business. And they will always say, tell us about the success rate that you have. Tell us how this happened. And I will say, I'm glad you asked because a single, ordinary, unschooled woman can't do what God has done. And it gives me the opportunity, and they may believe God or they may not believe God, but what they can't do is they can't argue the miraculous work that's taken place. Because there's clearly a favor that is on the life of that mission. There's clearly a favor that's on my life that is not from this world. It cannot be explained. It can only testify and give evidence that I live a life not, that's, that's not of my own. That I live a life that's completely surrendered to the king of all kings, the God of all gods. And you may argue that he is real, but one thing you cannot argue is that you see evidence of something super in my natural See, nobody can argue that. And so I'm not here to try and convince them. I'm just here to testify. I'm just here to testify. That's all I'm doing is I'm just testifying. And I'm counting on the Lord and I'm pulling on the heaven, the hem of Jesus. When I speak and when I testify, you're going to do it again. Because a testimony is a do it again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I'm speaking in this room tonight and I'm saying that as we begin to testify, as we begin to hear testimony, as we begin to hear the power of stories, that God will begin to do it again in your life. He will begin to do the super that he's been doing in your life again and again and again. And it will be on the increase. And it will continue to grow. And it will continue to expand. And it will continue to bloom. And it will continue to be prosperous. Because that's how the kingdom works. That's how the kingdom works. See, every single one of you in here is playing a part in the kingdom story. Every single one. I know my God. I know my God. I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care what your past tells you. I don't care what your relationships are telling you. I don't care what your bank account tells you. I don't care what your boss tells you. I don't care what your body is telling you. Frankly, I don't even care what your mind is telling you. I know my God. I know my God, and I know that there is a super in your natural. There is a supernatural story that he is bringing to pass in your life, and no man can argue it, no man can thwart it, no man can steal it, no man can tell you it's not true, because you know that you know that you know that you once were blind and now you see. And no one can take that from you. That's the story we're here to proclaim. And it's not about me, it's about God. I can't do what's been done in crazy ministry. Y'all, I'm not that smart. But I am deeply and utterly surrendered. I don't live my own life. I can't afford to. I don't want to. I'm too tired to. But I bow my knee to the power and the presence of a Holy Ghost that empowers me and impregnates me in supernatural ways. And all I do is let him have his way with me. That's all I do. I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ Jesus lives, and he breathes through me. And to the same degree to which there's been a super in my natural, I'm here to proclaim that he's still just beginning. He's still just beginning. I'm still just at the very beginning. I know that I know that I know he's still just beginning. Because the Bible says I'm being transformed into the ever-increasing likeness of Jesus Christ from glory unto glory unto glory. The increase after the increase after the increase after the increase. See, God is continuously doing more in our lives. I'm telling you, there's a super in your natural. 
There's a supernatural story in your natural circumstances. There's a supernatural happening in your life even today. And the first thing you need to do is not just believe it, but you've got to expect it. You've got to expect that God's going to show up every day and he's going to do a supernatural thing through your natural happenings. That he's doing something extraordinary in your ordinary. That all that you see in your natural eye is just a beginning of what he's doing in the supernatural. See, the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can perceive or heart can know. And it says, all that God has prepared for you, except by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that God has prepared an incredible work for you. And by the Holy Spirit, your eye will see it. Your ear will hear it. Your mind will understand it. Your heart will perceive it. And it won't come in a natural sense. It'll come by the Holy Spirit. It'll come only by the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture says. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this out, and, and we're going to come back for a second session. And I'm going to talk to you not just about the power of a story, but I'm going I'm to pose to you this question, who is writing your story? And we're going to go delve a little bit deeper about all the different storylines and who's holding your pen and how we partner with the Lord in writing the story that he has in mind for us, right? Because there, there's a balance there. Some people just sit back and let God write their story. But God says, come on, girl. Come on, brother. Come on, baby. We're going to write together. And how do we partner with the Lord in allowing him to begin to come bring out the super in our natural and come into something that you can't do. I love the story of the Israelites where it says, I have cut your army down from this big to this big so that no man will boast that this was their own doing. That they will know that they know that they know that this was by God. And so, Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who does incredible work. God, that you are a God who puts super in our natural. God, I thank you that you're not of this world. God, that you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And God, I thank you that even though we are in this world, we are not of this world either. And so, Father, the limitations of this world are nothing to you. God, I'm reminded of the fishermen when you said launch out into the deep, that every worldly tool that they have was broken, that their nets were broken, so that people could see that these fish were collected by a supernatural work. And so God, I thank you that you're breaking our nets, that you're shattering our earthly tools, that you're breaking down our soul, God, that we would step into the super. God, that we would experience what no man can do, but what only God can do. God, I thank you that today, tonight, you're shifting people and they're beginning to see, God, that the ordinary things that seem so mundane has the hand of the living God on it. God, and even things in our past are being rewritten today and being shifted into something extraordinary. Father, we expect that you are doing an incredible work that no man can explain in our life. God, I am here to tell you, I am here to tell you that if you can explain everything in your life, you haven't encountered the super yet. So God, bring us to a place where words cannot define, where our mind cannot describe. God, where no man can write it in a book, that it couldn't possibly be captured. It could only be experienced, evidenced by our stories. What a mighty God we serve. That he would place his hand upon you tonight. 
that you would see his finger pointing at you and saying, I'm not talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. See, I would like to propose to you that if you were the only person in this room, God would still be speaking the same message because it's for you. So if you would just close your eyes with me. And I want you to just, just even prophetically, I'm just going to begin to speak the hand of God to begin to just lay on your head, to just press his hand upon your head. You do it, God. Just lay your hand upon our head that we would feel your presence individually, uniquely, personally, just saying, I'm here for you tonight, my child. If nobody else was here, I would be here for you. You do it, God. You do it, God. God, I thank you that today is a new day and that today, God is chapter one, page one, of a story that is so extraordinary. Even being written through ordinary things, ordinary circumstances, ordinary unschooled people. God doing extraordinary things, there's a supernatural. So let it work. We're just gonna be patient and wait on the Holy Spirit. You do it, God. Don't ask him how. <laughs> He's got it all figured out. All the days ordained for you are written in a book. See, I have no doubt that every person in this room has seen immeasurably greater things in their own lives. That when we go to bed at night, we envision things that we have assumed will never be possible. <laughs> so I just want you to picture like a scroll just kind of rolling out in front of the Lord and just let him write. Just let him begin to show you the super that's on your natural. I just gently take authority over fear, strategies that would pop up and begin to shatter that imagination. So tonight we just have, we have permission to just imagine bigger, to imagine in color, to imagine in dimension, to imagine the super in your natural. Don't worry about the how. Don't worry who's going to pay for it. No worries. But seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's all we need to do. It's really that simple. I just want you to just visualize the Lord just kind of picking you up and just beginning to move you into his story. Don't resist him. Just let him do it. Let your mind go with the Holy Spirit. You can't outdream him. Ha. I hear the Lord say it's not too big. It's not bigger than I am.
Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.